The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One, and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Pride Connection. I'm one of your co-hosts, Anthony Corona, here as always with President Gabriel lopez Cafati. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pride Connection. So tonight we are really, really proud to bring a conversation with from two of our members, Destiny and Randy. And they are members who identify as ace. They're going to be talking with a couple of other folks who identify as ace and, uh, In a few minutes, we'll dive into this really, really educational and fun conversation. But before that, we got a couple of things to take care of. Gabriel, of course, will give us a quick little presidential message. Gabriel? Yep. Um, I like the emphasis that Anthony always puts on quick. (laughs) I I believe in subliminal (laughs) prompting and prodding. Well, uh, BPI has been very, very busy. We have been certifying our membership. We have been planning convention, which Anthony will tell us a little bit more in a bit. But most importantly, like always, we have been advocating. And uh, we've had the participation of some very talented members like Melody and uh, Anthony and a few of us have been hard at work. I know some of our allies Uh, In California, like Vida and Margie, the entire board of directors has been disseminating letters to protest against all these awful bills that have been going around the country with Don't Say Gay. But there is always a silver lining. I am sure that as we approach one of my favorite months of the year, which is Pride Month, we will come energized. We will be more full of pride than ever. And we'll be happy because no one can take away the joy of pride and the joy of being proud of who we are and being able to live in a country where we can still uphold who we are and be authentic. So stand up tall, stand up proud, and let's start forgetting about don't say gay and let's say gay. I think that's going to be my motto for for Pride Month. Let's say gay (laughs) or let's say LGBTQ. So um, definitely, as always, BPI puts up uh, something amazing for Pride. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, just 
let those rainbows shine. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to co-host Privilege and piggyback off of that. We just re-ran our first episode and then had a second episode with Rosemary Ketchum. And I'm adopting her spirit for for Pride Month. I'm adopting her spirit for, for this whole entire year. Yes. They want to bring us down and they want to make us feel. And what they want to make us feel is afraid. What they want to make us feel is that we might need to maybe not hide ourselves, but step back away from, you know, the 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 front of the crowd. Maybe we want need to be a little bit more careful. But I I but want actually, them to know what she gave us is a remembrance that this is just re-energizing us. This is reinforcing that we've we've taken our place in the world. And they're actually projecting because they are the ones who are afraid. They are afraid of what is different or what is unknown to them. Just because we're different doesn't mean that we do not exist and that we do not have a place. We do have a place. And we're proud of our place. We're going to celebrate how we got to our place. We're going to stand firm and claim that we're not leaving our place. And we're going to look at the future and how we can expand our place. That's how I'm looking at it this year. But all right, you know, I'm going to kick that soapbox under the um, proverbial bed or couch. And let's talk a little about convention. BPI is known for convention. We bring the fun. We bring the mind body. We bring some education. And we bring something else. What else do we bring, Gabe? (laughs) Wine education. Tell them about the wine presentations this convention. So this convention, uh, we're having three wine tastings. And uh, the first one uh, to celebrate 4th of July is called Sparkles and Bubbles. So we will be talking all about bubbly, which is champagne, sparkling wine, cava, prosecco. Then we're having... An all red wine tasting, and then we'll having a little bit of everything, whites and reds. So three wine tastings, three different wine tastings. So join one, two, or three of them. Yeah, come one, come all. I say, you know, one glass is as good as another. Give me all of them. <laughs> anyway, let's um let's talk a little bit about education. We have got a couple of really great programs, and we have Eric Marcus from Making Gay History coming back again. He will be speaking with us about how the HIV AIDS epidemic changed the course of the LGBTQ advocacy and just our community in general. Gabe, tell them about the allies. Oh my God, allies are just an awesome part of BPI and we have a program specifically dedicated to our allies, conducted by our allies, and hoping to welcome more of our allies. So please, if you do not identify to, with the LGBTQ community, but you want to support BPI and you believe in the mission and vision of this organization, please join that program and uh, check out the convention schedule and just join us and, and become part of BPI on the ally aspect of the organization, which is we love our allies. All right. So 
in keeping in the vein of education, we also have a couple of programs centering around our pronouns, our they, them, brothers and sisters. We are um, going to be spending a day in the life of an audio description guru, a.k.a. board member Chris Snyder, who's going to take us through an entire day of editing, quality control, maybe even voicing, um, and really giving us that backstage look at at what a day in the life of someone in audio description is like. Am I missing any of our education programs? Well, I know we have two uh, workshops around dating. dating. I was yep. going to count that as social, but cool. Let's segue into that. We've got basically one called Beyond the Swipe. And Beyond the Swipe is going to talk about how we actually build those relationships, even if we meet them because of a swipe left or a swipe right. That's going to be led by Leah Gardner. So look look for more details for that when we put out the actual program blurbs. Then we are going to have a panel that's led by myself and some of my sighted friends. And the reason we're doing this is we're going to be collecting questions from you guys about the visual cues of dating, how they interpret them, how they use them in flirting. Basically, whatever questions you want to you want to ask about dating and sighted versus non-sighted and how they use visual, we're going to put it to the panel. They said no questions are off limits. And um, then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So those are our two dating aspects. From Mind Body this year, we decided to go in a really interesting direction. Gabe, tell them about that program. We're doing breath, the sound of breath, the power of breath, all about breath, uh, joined or paired with some sounds. Uh, so definitely look out for that one as well. So to wrap it up, folks, we, as always, cannot have convention without a party. So please join us in our smashing BPI mixer. Bridge into Omaha with BPI and let's all bob together. And following our mixer in the same room, we have Anthony. Why don't you close us up with BPI's open mic night? Open mic. Bring your songs, bring your poetry, bring your dramatic readings, um, bring your jokes. Whatever you've got for us, whatever talent, whatever you want to share, bring it to the open mic and um, the bar will stay open from the mixer. We're going to have a really good time. So join us in Omaha this year. As we mingle and learn while we have fun. Always with BPI. So now let's welcome Randy and Destiny and friends for an amazing topic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pride Connection for May 3rd. I am Randy Reed. Destiny Dematty is with me. And we have with us Courtney and Royce from the Ace Couple podcast. Say hello. 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 Thank you for coming. And uh, tonight, our topic is asexual representation in the media. So uh, when we talk about media, we're talking about Books, comic books, cartoons, TV shows, and all the other stuff I haven't thought of. And I'm sure we'll get to that in just a second. 
So, Royce and Courtney, would you like to tell us a bit about yourselves? Sure thing. Well, I'm Courtney. Royce here is my spouse, and we are a married asexual couple. We are just about to come up on our eight-year anniversary, so we've, we've been around a bit, but just just over six, seven months ago, we, we decided to do this wild little podcast project where we get on a microphone and talk about asexuality, our personal relationship, anecdotes about our life, as well as things like media representation. We really just like to talk about all things asexuality or the way we experience life through this ace lens. And I've listened to most of the 31 episodes. I skipped the one about the house episode because I lived the house episode, but we'll, I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, that, um, that was trauma is what that was. Yeah, that, yeah I, I um, it wasn't anything against you guys, but I saw that title. And I was just like, nope, 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 not going there. I, I um, knew it. It, it was tough <laughs> to live for, for me too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but you know, sometimes, sometimes when you're talking about things, you have to talk about things that are hard to talk about. So that's just the nature of the beast, I suppose. Uh, what is, uh, to you, what is bad representation uh, as far as asexual characters in media go? Well, I think for me, when I talk about representation, you're representing a group of people, specifically a marginalized or underrepresented group of people. I want outsiders to come away with a correct and favorable view of what this identity is. So I want them to have an understanding of asexuality. I want them to not be presented with really harmful stereotypes. And I mean, ideally I'd like it to be good. I want it to be a good story with just clever writing. I want it to be enjoyable. I, I really don't want it to sound like a PSA because with asexuality, it, it is so underknown and underrepresented. So too, too often you need to define it for your audience. And I, I appreciate the need to do that, but I, I don't want it to sound kind of kind of preachy and like this is this is an education lesson. I want it to feel natural and organic and and just be seamlessly integrated into beautiful storytelling. Okay. So what what is what is an example that exists? And, and I know of one that comes immediately to mind, but what, what is an example that exists of bad representation? Well, the, the worst is, is the house episode. You, you alluded to that. Yes, yes, I did. And, and that was just a singular episode in a, a network television show. But house was such a huge cultural phenomenon at the time. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, because it was before it started to go downhill and people quit watching. <laughs> I, th I think it was right around the time. There there were a few people that didn't quite make it to that awful episode, but the, the series did wrap shortly after. But it it almost seemed at first like it was going to be good representation because they they introduce an asexual woman 
she's in a clinic getting an exam. And of course you take medical history. So you're going to ask about uh, a possibility of pregnancy, sexual activity. And she says, well, I'm asexual and my husband also is. And this was this big confusing thing. I, I personally had never heard of asexuality on television in media. I, I already mm-hmm. knew I personally was asexual, but I'd never seen it represented. So I just lit up. I thought this is going to be wonderful. So many people are going to learn about this. But oh boy, did it go downhill fast from that point. Yeah, it did. Uh, and the reason that it went uh, downhill is because it was effectively debunked by House. Yes, yes. Yeah. House is sort of Dr. Sherlock. He He's the, the genius who solves all of the cases and won't rest until he finds the answer. But in this case, the answer was asexuality isn't real. So what's actually wrong with them? And right. And that is just so incredibly harmful because our orientation is so often medicalized and pathologized and not everybody sees it as a valid sexual orientation. And so to have a medical drama come in and essentially prove these harmful, bigoted ideas. Right. So reprehensible. There was that. And one one that you covered that stuck out to me, and you you said it was you um, you seemed to feel that it was bad uh, representation, and I I didn't I didn't feel like it was bad. I felt like it was mediocre, um, but it was definitely it was definitely wanting for sure. Was the sex education episode on on Netflix? Yeah, I I agree with your statement there. I think that for us, we had such high hopes. Because mm-hmm. we heard so many people in the community just raving about it. And yeah. then we, we watched a season and a half of this uh, TV show to get about five minutes of, of representation. And it, that right. part was disappointing. I think that the words that they said were like, it was good. Yeah, they were very good words. And it was, it was, very, it was a very good cliff note version of, of the definition. Yeah, in in that case, the reason why we did not love it as representation is because it felt like it was exclusively a nod to the asexual community. It felt like it was the show saying, we haven't forgotten about you asexuals. We're saying that you're real. But I would be surprised if the average casual viewer of this show who does not have any personal connection to asexuality came away from it with much of an opinion because it really wasn't even a B plot. When, when Roy said five minutes, that was not an exaggeration. It was just shy of five minutes total yeah. screen time. Yeah. And yeah. And those are like multiple scenes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause, uh, cause after I listened to your episode on it, uh, actually it was the episode, it was your episode. It was the fact that you said it was bad that made me like, I gotta go see this. So I went out and watched it, and and I, like I said, I mostly agreed with you. It was not the greatest representation. I did enjoy the show, though. Um, overall, I, I ended up binging it over the week, over the one of the weekends, um, and I, I did enjoy the show overall, minus minus that part. Yeah, overall, the the show does have some very strong plots, and it does have some very nice characters, but it's 
a little bit of a letdown when there are so many other characters with different orientations. We have gay characters, bi <laughs> characters. Um, the third season even brought us non-binary representation. And so many of these other characters with other orientations have very lush storylines. And we really get to see their experience living with this orientation. Whereas the ace character that was in that one episode for five minutes kind of just seemed like a puppet and like a PSA. And yeah. she, she didn't really have much of a personality outside of being asexual. And we are right. full well-rounded people who have a variety of interests in, in yeah. life. And so it's it it is disappointing that they couldn't give us what they gave for all the other orientations. Okay, so so what we have is, I, well, I guess so. By talking about what makes bad representation, we're we're starting to touch on what makes good representation, and that is, you know, it has to be uh, uh, presented in a maybe not necessarily a positive light, but a real light, because I I think you know it's important. Uh, to see somebody struggle with that identity, just like you would see somebody else struggle with any other identity. That's my personal feeling. And uh, they, they need to have a well-rounded uh, storyline. And by the time you get from point A to point B, um, you really want to feel like you got something out of it, is, is what I hear you saying. Oh, absolutely. Okay. What is your ideal representation of asexuality in the media? Well, for us at the moment, um, this is probably one of the more famous ace characters out there right now, but he is still very near and dear to our heart. We love Todd Chavez from BoJack Horseman. Yep. I actually just rewatched BoJack for the third time, so a few weeks ago. And and I, I do agree. Mostly because he does he does have the, the well-rounded storyline over all, is it six seasons that show runs for? I think it is. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so six seasons, and he's there. He's there for all of them. Doesn't really encounter it until I think it's season three, and by the end of season six, it is pretty much on terms with it and and ready to go on uh, about the business of of living his life, such as it is. Uh, and the reason I knew you were going to say that as your <laughs> as your favorite, you did uh, you did a two part breakdown of his storyline. So we did, yes, we had way too much to say about Todd that we could not quite fit it all into one episode. Yeah. Well, the reason I went and rewatched it for the third time is because you were pointing out all these little things. And I was like, I don't remember seeing that, but I was kind of focused on other things at the time. Um, so I had to go back and rewatch it. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's absolutely right. The writing in BoJack Horseman is very very clever and mm -hmm. there are so many characters that all get very nuanced story arcs and there's just so much going on and emotions are very high but the silliness level is also very high so there there are definitely things that you will catch on a second or a third or even a fourth rewatch just because there's so much to it yeah there's a lot going on. Yeah, and that, honestly, that's that's what makes a good show. Like, and and I think I, I think it's like not just as far as asexual representation goes, but but as far as just in general shows, like it 
it shows that a show doesn't necessarily need to run for, you know, 15 or 20 years or whatever to be, to really be a good show with a lot going on. I think it's even better if it doesn't run that long because there are definitely shows where, yeah, there are shows where it's like, just let it die a graceful death. Just end it at a very positive high point. Don't, don't draw it on too long to where we, we lose what gave it the magic in the first place. Yeah. I'm thinking of one show in particular that actually ran for like 15 seasons and by the end of it i was just like just end already so i can say i know how it ends and i'd like to move on (laughs) please yeah we've got a lot of shows like that where it's like it was a great show that went too long if it had stopped after season five it would have been great exactly (laughs) okay because we're not you know we're not just talking about tv we talk about uh books and comic books as well uh, have you have you read uh, any of the Alice Oseman books yet? I have read Radio Silence by Alice. I just Oseman. finished it. Did you? Yeah. That was such I, a fun one for me to find because I actually read it a couple of years ago, and it was originally recommended to me by someone who was not even considering the asexual representation. They just knew that at one point I really liked the Welcome to Night Vale podcast and listened to it quite a bit. And they said, oh, you you might like this book that also has like a fictional podcast as as part of this world. And and so I, I just casually read it, not expecting any representation at all. And it was Almost, I think, better that I didn't know the representation was coming because it shocked mm-hmm. me. It it caught me off guard so heavily that I, I actually started crying because mm-hmm. it was just so unexpected but beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, my I think uh, what I really liked about that one is most a lot of the asexual stories that we have are about the person dealing with their asexuality and how it affects them. And, and the one that the thing that made this different was you had this character that was asexual and you saw how it affected a lot of people on the outside mm-hmm. or, you know, his friends, not, not on the outside, but like people other, other than him. And I thought, um, e- even though it came out before loveless, um, which is the other Alice Oseman book that deals explicitly with uh, somebody on a, on a journey of asexuality. You know, I, I thought that was really unique and, a, and an interesting perspective. Absolutely. Which, which that book in particular, and I mean, you read it much more recently than I did. So correct me mm-hmm. if I'm remembering, but he was actually uh, demisexual. He was, that, was he not? I'm not. I know one of the characters was, I don't, think it was oh okay there, there was yeah, a- no you know what no he was he was because he he had a boyfriend I forgot about that mm-hmm. I forgot okay. about I didn't like the boyfriend so I just kind of wrote him off um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay um all right uh and then you know and then there's Loveless which deals with uh somebody who is in college and uh discovering her sexuality and I personally found that one relatable because that's where I found it was or that's when I found it when I was in college 
so you know I was, even though <laughs> even though we did different things i i found that one really relatable and i i thought that one was also well-rounded yeah, that that that's next on the read list. I I have the book. I I pre-ordered okay. it because of course it released in the UK well before it released in the US, but oh, I, I, I had it on pre-order for a long time and so I have the book now. I just have so many others that I'm trying to get through and finish that I haven't haven't scratched the surface of that one quite yet, but Alice Oseman is a really, really hot topic right now because not not only are they themselves an arrow ace, but yes. they are the writer of Heartstopper, which just released on Netflix a yep. week ago, under a week ago at this point. And yeah, that, and that, that's getting crazy. Right yeah. Yeah. Destiny, do you have any any favorite asexual characters that you want to talk about? Um, in books, I love the book mm-hmm. Every Heart a Doorway. The main character is Ace, and it's, it's a thing, but it's not a huge thing. She's a well-rounded character. And then when you were talking about Radio Silence, I was thinking of, I think it was book three in the series, the Dumplin' series. We find out that a character that was in the original Dumplin' is actually asexual. And she announces that during, it was either Would You Rather or, two, no, I think it was Two Truths and a Lie. They were playing that game or some sort of game, you know, that people play at sleepovers. And she announced it. And it wasn't a huge thing, but it kind of surprised me. And she was already a well-rounded character before that. So it was pretty neat. Those are the two things that come into my mind when it comes to Ace books. Oh, and Saw Kill Girls. I I was going to say, you 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 specifically recommended that one to me. Yes. I Mm -hmm. just popped back in my mind. Saw Kill Girls starts out with these sisters it's a horror book and one of the characters turns out to be ace and um all the characters are well-rounded there's a bit of conflict around it because one of the other characters says something she probably shouldn't have said but it all works out in that area but it's still a really good horror novel and i love it yeah it kind of you know it kind of reminded me uh, of Stranger Things, in in a way, just because of the the subject matter, which you know a lot of a lot of people uh, like to speculate that uh, Will from Stranger Things is also Ace, and I, I think that kind of brings us to you know to another interesting point is up until recently when there were characters that were explicitly Ace, there was. And still is actually. If you go on the online forums, there's a lot of speculation about uh, certain characters being ace, and they'll have like a checklist of, you know, of things that are like, and therefore this character is ace. And uh, you know, Will from Stranger Things is one. I know Sherlock Holmes is one that gets like gets a lot of attention out of that. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? Well. I have mixed feelings because surely when we are very starved for representation and it it is getting better, we are getting more, especially in books, YA, Mm -hmm. queer YA right now is kind of killing it on the ace rep. There are more books coming out this year than I can even read this year. So that's positive, but definitely in, in the before times, in the, in the year BT before Todd Chavez 
we, <laughs> we kind of had to grasp at straws because we wanted to see ourselves. And right. Sherlock Holmes, although not explicitly named asexual, he is what I like to say famously sexless. Mm-hmm. And he is perhaps the most famously sexless character in all of Western media, but everybody knows the name Sherlock Holmes. Everyone has some sort of connection to that character because he's been portrayed and we reworked in so many different ways over the years. So it would mean everything to us to have a character that is so beloved and so well known because... Yes, that that would be everything. So of course, we have this natural desire to to clutch to the sort of the head cannons. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't begrudge anyone in in the community who is asexual or any other minority orientation seeing themselves in another character. But there there's also this very sort of odd line where if a character isn't perceived as being totally straight, a lot of people will also headcanon them as gay. And right. sometimes sometimes that can even be a type of asexual erasure, because if that character is saying, I don't really have interest in any gender, any dating of any kind, then the aces are all saying, well, that must make them ace. But other people are like, mm, they're probably just closeted gay. And so Headcanoning is kind of a double-edged sword. And I think on a personal level, anyone who sees themselves in a character is great. But I also love it to be defined because I'm not going to make this whole flow chart of like, this is why this character is asexual. Because I don't want to have to prove asexuality to the people who don't see it. I I would rather there be no denying that that character is on the asexuality spectrum because to me that is representation because I know there is enough acephobia out there in the world there are enough people who do not think that asexuality is an orientation that they will use anything they can to deny 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 and I want to take away their ability to deny it fair and also too like from a from a personal standpoint like if you if you see yourself in a character and see the house episode is as bad as it was, it, it was over in an hour. I mean, the impact lives on, but it was over in an hour. If you see yourself in a character and you're, you know, if the show goes on for like 10, 15 years, you know, and you, if you see yourself in that character and then all of a sudden at the very last minute they go, Oh, well that character wasn't this they were this other thing that has absolutely nothing to do with you. You know, even, even though that wasn't what the show writer was going for necessarily, um, you feel turned on. And I remember, well, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of people that are like, you know, big bang theory has a lot to answer for because they spent all this time having Sheldon be an asexual character. And then he wasn't asexual. And, um, and people, you know, people get upset, uh, upset with that. Um, and the other example, just as far as queer representation goes, is Supernatural, where people spent years arguing about whether um, Castiel, which is one of the, which is one of the angels, was gay or not. And then, you know, at the very end, he was gay. 
at and they killed him off, which set off a whole other set of problems. Mm, um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, it's only, there's all sorts of problems with it. And at the same time, it's only natural. Mm-hmm. I think. Because people, you know, people want to see themselves uh, in, in their environment. Absolutely, they want to see themselves. And I, I think the biggest harm that comes from sort of whether or not someone was explicitly stated to be asexual, whether it was subtext or, or named, any time mm-hmm. the writing sort of forgets about that or backs, backtracks on it entirely, it always seems to be under the guise of you know, teaching this person to love, or you're also, um, you're, you're making them seem more human. (laughs) And so in that sense, asexuality in media can kind of be weaponized to do a lot of bad. And this is such a weird one, because it was so good while simultaneously being so awful and then it got horrific. So it, it's a very mixed bag, but um, Dexter. Ah, yes. Okay. I've listened Dexter to your episode. Dexter was such a weird one. It was such mm-hmm. a weird one. Yep. I, and yeah, well, I mean, there's the, the problem with that character is that he's also a serial killer, which. Well, and that's why I don't want to defend it because I don't want one of the most famous ace characters to just be like <laughs> the unempathetic serial killer. Uh, you know, I, I don't want that to be the trope. But at the same time, if you watch the very first episode of Dexter, he's like, these mating rituals seem really undignified. And I was like, wow, uh, the man's reading my brain. <laughs> and so some some of those lines are so funny and some of the individual like the points of dialogue can be really relatable to an ace. So when, right. when Rice and I were watching it, we were just cracking up because we were like, this is great. I, it's, it's funny enough that I don't even care that he's a serial killer. But mm-hmm. then they decided to totally, once he finally did have sex, it's like that door's open and now he loves it and he's doing it all the time. But that also coincided with him showing more love to people because at first he was Mm -hmm. like oh I'm just pretending to love these people I don't actually experience emotions at all and you got to see his emotions develop once he had sex so in that sense not only are you erasing the asexuality but you're giving people reason to believe that asexuality is somehow tied into a lack of love a lack of empathy um, or or subhuman in, in that sense yeah, and you're also sending the message, which uh, kind of pairs what you just said, but you're also sending the message, hey, you're not fully developed in, until you've had sex. Yeah, and so yes. it, it's like, I, I didn't love that Dexter was ace off the bat, but at least it was funny and interesting. But then, mm-hmm. then they just made it worse by getting rid of that. So it's like, stick to one story, please. Yep, and I think Destiny was trying to get in. Yeah, I just want to say I absolutely agree what you are saying. Um, and thinking about that, that's why I also want to see more representation of not just, you know, ordinary people who are ace, but also disabled people and people of various appearances. I want to see it all. And I want to see more aces in horror movies and stuff like that. instead of the virgin always survives it's the ace always survives love it (laughs) 
It's a, it's a, is it Fresh Prince of Bel Air that did that where they made fun of horror movies? I can't remember now. Uh, it's been a long time, but I remember there was there was a thing about um, the Virgin always being the one to survive, and I was like, no, the Ace always survives. <laughs> there is one movie that flips that trope on its head, though. I forget what it's called, but it's a movie where the virgins were, or those who aren't having sex get killed off. Oh, I yeah, don't know yeah. where I've heard of that. that. I There's a few stories like that, most of them involving dragons. Um, oh, dragons sure. always take virgins. Well, not always, but a lot. It's like <laughs> it's one of the tropes. Oh, I was, I don't think it was about dragons. I think it was like, it's about some sort of like town that was being, I think it was called Cherry Falls. It was Cherry something. Okay. Yeah. I I heard the name. I don't think I've actually watched it. I I haven't heard of that one. When, when you started mentioning that idea, the, the only frame of reference I had, um, and Royce helped me out if you remember the name of it, but it was like, a horror movie where there was like a monster STD, I guess. That's and, and it follows. It follows. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that that was a weird one. Did you did you just say a monster STD? It, it was yes. It it was a sort of haunting that tracked people who had sex with other people. Like that's how it spread. Okay. Yeah, like if, if you get the monster <laughs> that's following you, then you have to basically have sex with someone else because then the monster will follow them. And it's just a never ending cycle of like, well, pass it on. Tag, you're it. Okay. Very, well, very weird concept. Very yeah, weird. Uh, just to, a little to, bit. To go back to Destiny's point, um, I am all about the disabled ace rep. I want so much more of it. There are only a couple of slivers right now. Um, I actually just recently read One for All. It -hmm. is a gender bent, uh, three musketeers you know, women in dresses and swords. Uh, so it, it was very fun to have something like in that genre. It was getting away from the, you know, slice of life, real world, teenage, young adult, figuring themselves out kind of story, which don't we need those, don't get me wrong, but I just like sure. also. And so so that was really fun because the, um, the character in that has uh, POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is one of my many maladies. So I, I was able to relate to that sort of disabled representation um, even before the notion of asexuality was presented in that book. So that was really, really cool. And I, I can't speak too much to this one because I'm honestly only two chapters in, but um, My Heart to Find is one I just started. And that is a disabled ace writer and the main character has OCD, which is also another one of my many maladies. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting to kind of see that. But I I just want more. I want more diversity of disabilities represented as well mm-hmm. there just is not enough yeah well you know like speaking of that one of my one of my first ever asexual uh rep reads 
was TJ Klum's How to Be a Normal Person. Uh, and the reason I bring it up, the main character, he's not asexual, um, but he, even it's not explicitly stated, but he presents as, as being on, on the spectrum. Um, and he falls in love with someone who is asexual. So it's like, it's an asexual romance. Uh, is is, uh, is what got me into it. Uh, it's also what got me into TJ Klune. Actually, that's not true. What got me into TJ Klune was the Extraordinaries, but that was my follow-up read. Um, so, you know, so there was, there was definitely uh, some representation there. And then there's a follow-up to that one, uh, How to Be a Movie Star, where the characters are demisexual. So, or one of them is. So... Um, there's that, although there's no, there's not really any dis, disable or dis, disability rep there, but some of his other books have people with, um, you know, ADHD and anxiety and, and all sorts of things. And honestly, I, I think that, um, you know, like queer representation and disabled re- representation need to get together more just as a general thing. Absolutely. And the intersections of race. Also, we have shockingly little uh, Black Ace representation, for example. Yeah, yeah. there's, I, I mean, I, most of them are on, most of the ones that I've found are, are on Twitter. And actually, since, since you brought it up, would you like to plug the other project that you're working on? Oh, sure thing. Well, we have recently started a community project, uh, which we are calling ASPECS, Committed to Anti-Racism, or ACAR for short. And the importance of this is just really comes from the fact that there have been many Black aces and uh, Black aromantic folks, people all across the A spectrum, who have been sort of shouting at the void for years, telling us that there is a racism issue in our community. And it, it seems like every time this happens, there's a, a flare of comments and trending support where everyone says we need to support Black aces, we need to support our, uh, our BIPOC in the community. And that that gets fiery for a week or two and then nothing really ends up changing so our our project is to sort of get everybody together and say we are all looking inward at ourselves at our own internal biases and one of the ways we're doing this is by reading a book called me and white supremacy where mm-hmm. it gives you sort of a crash course on a whole bunch of important topics to know about. Um, some you may you may have heard of, like white fragility, um, white superiority, and it, it gives you bulleted points of what those can sort of look like. And then it has you actually put pen to paper and do journal prompts and say, how have you done this? And it's it's it can be messy and it can be ugly, but it's it's very important to look at the white supremacist system you grew up in that you live in and understand your place in it before you yourself can get better, let alone everyone else around you. So we we do have a discord where people can uh, chat on there. They can drop their own journal entries, but we are also planning to 
have some regular video calls. We're hoping once a month to have just like a book club where we can all get together and discuss our thoughts. Okay. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this and wondering, the book is available through Talking Books and uh, on uh, the Bard website. Um, it's also available on Audible. It's The book itself is five hours and 20 minutes, but my feeling is that um, when you put in the work that's supposed to go into it, it's going to take a lot longer to get through. I wanted to add that it's also on Bookshare. If people have access to Bookshare, you can get it as an EPUB or they have MP3 or Daisy, um, any of that kind of stuff as well. It's, if that's more your jam. Okay. So I figured I'd share that as well. Uh, one, one other thing I wanted to touch on. You you said a word. You said BIPOC. And and I, I do this thing anytime somebody says a, like a like an acronym like that, I make them, I, I ask them to define it. So would you mind uh, letting us know what that is, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, BIPOC means Black, Indigenous, People of Color. It is um, just a lengthened version of POC, which a lot of people are also familiar with people of color. But of course, different countries also have their own different acronyms. So BIPOC is really, really very much an American acronym that has also been picked up in other countries just because of how often it's used online and on social media and in English speaking circles. Okay, great. Well, um, I think that's going to that's gonna do it here for us. Does anybody have any final thoughts? I did have one. I just wanted okay. to ask you all, the ace couple, um, and even you, Randy. Have any of you checked out the Magnus archives? Not yet. It, it has been recommended. I have heard of it, but I, I haven't gotten into it quite yet. Do, do you recommend we do? I do. I love that podcast. At first, it can be easy, like, to fall asleep to it if you listen at night. And then I realized, oh, I should have probably slept a sleep timer because now I'm like four episodes in. And I realize now that things are starting to connect because at first it seems like, oh, it's just each one has its own story. But then there's a lot of like before and after and even the stories themselves give you context for things later on mm. is really good. It's basically, um, for those who don't know about it, it's about this person named Jonathan Sims and he's the main character and they don't use the word asexual, but it turns out he is ace and, and the creators even acknowledge it in a Q and A. He is a head archivist that just started at this place, the Magnus Institute, which is a place where they research um, and it's an academic institution where they research the supernatural. And um, the archivist usually takes statements and is also supposed to be like organizing it because it wasn't organized well. But then as he's audio recording the statements, things start to happen. And I mean, I don't know per se if it's really, really, it's not like, realistic representation i'd say because at times the main character can be kind of cold and but there's a lot of different developments and he's put into a lot of unrealistic situations so i still think it's pretty good and i love it okay 
We're definitely going to need to try that. Not oh, because sorry. I have a podcast, but I, I'm not the biggest podcast listener in the world, but I, I did get into Welcome to Night Vale for a while. So Magnus Archives might, mm-hmm. might have to be my next attempt. I also just found out the other day while I was doing research for this episode, have any of you read the Stormlight Archive? We have not. We've read, um, that's by Brandon Sanderson, correct? Yes, it is. We, we've read the Mistborn trilogy, but haven't gotten okay. into Stormlight. Okay, because Stormlight, um, Yasna, I think I'm saying that right. That's how I hear the narrator say it. It uh, is also, um, even though, again, not stated in the stories, but Brandon Sanderson confirmed she was asexual. And also that book has uh, some characters that deal with, or that book series actually, um, has some characters that deal with mental illness as well. And so even though they aren't the same characters in the intersections and there, again, it's just a, it has a lot of representation of different things. So I thought it was worth bringing up. Yeah, we'll need to try that since we did really like uh, when we read Mistborn together. Actually, it's interesting because one of the characters in Mistborn kind of gave us just really light ace vibes at one point. We were like, is is she ace? And Mm -hmm. it turns out she wasn't, but it's good to see that, uh, Brandon Sanderson did write that into a different book. So that, that, that that's very exciting. But um, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, because this is also right up there, one of our favorites. It's probably right, right under Todd. And it actually is, um, it is Disabled Ace Rep as well. Rice, I just lost the name of the show. Help me out. You haven't given me Oh, everything's going to be okay. everything's going to be okay. Yes. I was just looking at your list of episodes and, and I realized that was one you did. Yes. That was such an endearing show. Um, It had uh, autistic asexual representation, which is something we do not get to see very often. And whether it coincides with minority sexuality or not, there's a lot of just really bad autistic rep in media. And, yes. and this this was probably one of the best depictions, probably the best depiction I've seen so far of autistic characters. And there were multiple characters who were fully fleshed out and had relationships where, lives. And where's lives. that show? It got picked up on Hulu. That's probably Hulu. the biggest okay. one right now. It originally aired on Freeform, which I will be real. I did not know what that was until we found this show. Fair enough. I um. Yeah, I always used, I used to be the Harry Potter channel because that's all they ever used to show. It felt like, okay. Um, and Bojack Horseman is on Netflix because we forgot to mention that. And all the other things are on Audible, Bookshare, Bard, and or your podcast app, depending on what it is you're looking for. All right. I believe that's going to do it for us. Uh, where, where can people find you on the internet? We can be found at theacecouple.com. We are also theacecouple on Twitter, underscores under all of those, the underscore ace underscore couple. And uh, we, your, your favorite podcast platform, we're, we're at the Ace Couple. All righty. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, we'll wrap it up and we'll see everybody next time you've been listening to pride connection sponsored by blind pride international a special interest affiliate of the american council of the blind please check us out at blind 
lgbtpride.org. Thank you for listening to the show. We'd like to invite you to send any comments, questions, or just join our conversation. Email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org. That's membership at blindlgbtpride.org. And join our conversation.